Hey everyone, welcome to the Mass Construction Show with today's guest host, Mike Yanovich, consultant at Mass Construction, and his guest, Bob Shepard, founder of Shepard Construction and Development. I'm your host, Joe Kelly, and this is a podcast about all things construction in Massachusetts and beyond. In this episode, Bob discusses the rise and fall of the historic big dig contractor, Modern Continental. And despite what many may assume about Les Marino, Bob tells us of a different man, a man who cared for his employees, focused on their health and wellness, and even purchased a farm to help educate people about food and where it comes from. Clearly a man ahead of his time. Bob also tells a story of a man of determination that would seemingly tackle anything he put his mind to and embarked on some wild endeavors. The conversation then moves to Bob's current company and his philosophy, which is an education in itself. So I'd venture to say you're getting two educations today, one from Bob and the other from Les. Today's show is brought to you by Central, commercial carpenters and supporters of our conversations. Enjoy the show. Welcome, Bob. This has been uh, a long time in the making. We've been talking about this uh, podcast for quite a while. So finally, we're here. Uh, I'm excited to to get some of these questions out there. But I, I kind of build this as we, we were looking at it and we were going over the conversations and getting to this point. Um, and we looked at what we've talked about in the past. I kind of build this uh, pig roast the big dig in tropical islands. That's really what we're going to talk about today <laughs> and, and all construction in between. So you and I have these kind of parallel. We met uh, Boston Junior Terriers. Your son was playing for me for the Boston Junior Terriers at the time I was in the Carpenters Union. And it wasn't until we started having discussions about construction and that we realized all these parallel <laughs> connections that we, we never, uh, never knew about until we talked about them later on. Most of them uh, centered around a certain union company. But, uh, you know, the first one that we talked about was I had a pig roast in my backyard. Bought a house as a young buck and, and you know, wanted to have a big pig roast when I got the occupancy. And uh, my brother at the time was on the big dig working for Modern Continental. And I said, look, I need, a, I need somebody to do a pig roast in my backyard. He said, oh, I have Dave. Dave's, Dave will come out and Dave will do the pig roast. So I call up Dave and, and Dave shows up and he has a, a 100 or 150 gallon or 500 gallon oil tank that's cut in half that's been made into a pig roast five o'clock in the morning dave started the pig and stayed all day years later i figure out i said to you at one of the terriers games hey you know i had this guy his last name was shepherd too he was in my backyard all day when i had my housewarming he said yeah that was my brother he worked for modern at the time and would make those uh those those oil barrels so so that was your uh that's when i found out you had the connection to modern your brother dave worked for modern and uh you know, that's when I realized you had such a tie to Modern Continental. There's a few more, but um, how, how did you end up getting involved at Modern Continental? It goes way back, actually, to, uh, to 1979 when I started. Um, my wife was best friends with Les's daughter. Les Marino? Les Marino, yes. And uh, so that was the introduction to me meeting Les. I used to go over there. And you know, visit with Judy and my wife Judy and her friend, um, and he took an interest in me. I don't know why. He just he. And one day he said to his daughter, "Do you think that Bob would come in for an interview? We're looking for a guy." So I went to his house. That's where he interviewed everybody, right? In the lower level of his house in Quincy, at the time, and um, I sat with him and Ken Anderson who was Les's partner, and they drilled me for like two hours right. about my background and where I came from. I grew up in Michigan on a dairy farm, and I have seven brothers and sisters, and you know, they're all in Michigan. Um, the, the, uh, so they were fascinated with the fact that I was grown up as a farmer, and Les had this fascination with farming. He had his own little farm in Quincy, um, and it was a terrific garden. Everybody loved it. And that led to, you know, just me working there. Um, he hired me as a property manager 
to manage the, um, be an assistant manager to his wife's cousin who was going to run the, the rooming house in the back bay. Okay. Um, so we, I went over there and started doing that. And then there was a downturn in the real estate market in the uh, early 80s. So we sold that building. He brought me inside to the purchasing department. And from there, I started working in the real estate group with uh, a guy named Brad Bumpus, who headed up the real estate group for Modern at the time. Um, things started to get real hot and heavy in the mid-80s, and um, Brad decided to go out and do something on his own. So I was kind of left there uh, to pick up the pieces. Watching the shop. Yeah. Yep. And from there, it just, you know, expanded. So what was, at, at that time, you know, people obviously equate modern with one thing most of the time, and that's the big dig, which we'll get to uh, in a little bit. But what was the what was the structure? What was modern doing then? What were they? Like, I, I don't even know. I know all the stories about the big dig. I worked for modern, and I'll get to that story as well. <laughs> Our, our conversations about less were pretty different when we first started talking about, um, you know, modern continental. But what what was the makeup of the company? Were they just a property management company? Were they heavy? No, they were heavy and highway, doing heavy and highway construction work. But along the way, they would buy parcels of land to stock materials on or equipment on. And pretty soon they had this collection of land and buildings that they needed someone to take care of. And then that was what Brad started. And then Brad started buying buildings that needed to be managed. And that's how I came into play. At that point, the real estate group just, you know, continued to chug along with the construction group. Construction company absolutely drove the, the bus for sure. Right. I mean, uh, they, the volumes got to be over a billion dollars at the end. Um, so they were the driver. We were kind of picking up the pieces in the real estate group as we went along. Um, whatever we could afford to invest in real estate, we did. Right. We bought buildings and renovated buildings and managed buildings. And we built a restaurant, a medical center. So we had several different. Um, and we bought a farm in Natick. So... You know, we, we hit the uh, one of the topics that I'm interested in. We've had these conversations, but so my history, again, a parallel universe. You and I, uh, I worked for Modern on the Big Dig when I was in the Carpenters Union, and I was the last one in, the last uh, journeyman in on the project that we were working on. It was the 90-93 interchange, and we had one set of tools for two crews. One was on one side of the mass pike and one was on the other side of the mass pike. And if anybody who knows the 9093 at that time, you had to walk a half a mile to get to the other side, even yeah. though it was the same project. Um, so we were standing around waiting, literally waiting for a skill saw, a, a circular saw one day, so I could cut shims for some forms. And uh, just before lunch, and I look up and there's this gentleman in the sun, you know, you can leaning over the hole, looking down. We were 25, 30 feet down in the hole and leaning over. And we go to lunch and the uh, steward for the project, Arthur Rizzi, comes over to me and says, Mike, grab your tools. You got to go home. I said, what do you mean? He said, the old man laid you off. So I was laid off, not by somebody on the project, but by Les Marino himself. <laughs> Uh, at the time, come to find out, it was when uh, the pinch was on about the money and the spending on the big dig, and uh, you know, I was the I was one of the sacrificial lambs at that point. And wrong I remember place, when, wrong time, wrong place, <laughs> wrong time, which is fine. Go to the hall. I end up back out the following day, but uh, you know, it was interesting. My claim to fame on that project was I I got laid off by the big dig czar himself. <laughs> you know, and I had a bitter taste in my mouth at that point. I had just started, you know, bought a house, had a family going, um, and I, I kind of resented it. And I didn't know what I actually resented. And then my mind was somewhat changed because you, uh, you know, enlightened me on the type of person Les was. So right. like, who was Les Marino? You know him probably just as good as anybody. Um, 
and I'll just say, if you were to Google Les Marino right now, a lot of the things that are online or a lot of the news stories are negative because of the involvement in the big dig and whatnot. But you know a different Les Marino. Who right. was Les? What was who was Les Marino? Les Marino, someone that nobody even would dream that some of the things that this guy has done over the years for people. Um, he is he is still to this day one of the most giving people I've ever run into in my life. He give he gave people jobs. He gave people opportunities. He gave people education that they would never have been able to get without his involvement. Um, he was the most unselfish person with anything you needed. If you walked into his office and said, Les, my car broke down. I don't have any money. I need a car to get to work. You'd have a car by the end of the day. That's There's a... There was an incident in our office. Um, I was running the real estate group, um, and I got a call to come down to his office. There was a young lady in the office who worked for us. Um, she was going to lose her house. She had two young kids, and not a not a very uh, um, supportive husband, to put it at the least. Um, he, I sat down, he said, Bob, we gotta help. I said, okay, what do you want me to do? Pay off her mortgage so that she can sleep at night to know their kids will have a place to live. Right, right. Those kind of things never hit the newspaper. Right. Those kind of things. He gave money to Cambridge Ringe and Latin for years for scholarships for kids that couldn't afford to pay their tuition. Nobody writes about that. Those are the kind of things that Less did for people, and there's I've got hundreds of those stories too. It's it's not just those couple samples, but um, when I adopted my daughter, my oldest daughter, I said, um, Les came to me and he said, you know, I know your wife's teaching, but she shouldn't be teaching anymore. We're going to give you a raise so that your wife can stay home and take care of the new baby. Right. Those are the kind of stories that never get told about Les. You know, the the farm is another thing. He bought the farm, and we always joke about that. He bought the farm, but uh, he bought the farm in Natick and started growing vegetables. And his goal was to make it um, open to the public, to let everybody get in and see how things grow and how how you can you know how animals are raised and all the all the features of things that city inner city kids don't necessarily get to see right and um and he spent a lot of money out there doing some stuff just so that other people could enjoy it mm -hmm. he'd give away produce to people he knew were in need the food pantries Whoever needed something, he was always there to give it to them. It's interesting that you know back back then, as you say, he was you know dedicated to providing education, dedicated to his his employees. Because as I see right now, and, and and Joe Kelly and I, as we deal with different companies, we're finding that the most successful companies are those companies that are taking care of their employees. Uh, there are entire departments now within companies that do just that, that take care of the employees. So even though it probably wasn't uh, formalized back then, that was his persona, as it seems like, to to take care of the employees. Would, so my next question was going to be, what was his philosophy? But I think it's kind of two-pronged here is, what's his philosophy seems like more formal than what Les was all about when he ran his business. It almost seems like he ran the business like a family. He um, did. The, the company was totally put together with um, a lot of young people that grew up in the company together. All of the top executives at the end were all guys that started in their early 20s, right out of college. And we all worked together in different departments, but all came together to make the company work. One thing less mandated was your work is your work and you got to get the work done and there's a place for everyone you know you get 
get an employee, you think, ah, he's really not going to fit. He used to say to us, it's your job to find a place for him to fit. Right. He may not be, you know, the the guy you thought you brought him in to be, but there's a spot for him. You got to find it. And that was his philosophy with human beings. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just he had a very humane side of him that people don't realize. He was tough to work with. He wouldn't take no for an answer. He, uh, you know, we had company meetings Friday afternoons at 4.30. Everybody wants to go home for the weekend, but his philosophy was we need to talk about what happened for the week, and we'd have a beer, and we'd talk about, you know, what was going on, and then at the end of the day, you go home. You know, today, you wouldn't get employees to do that. Right, right. You're just not going to, you know, it's a different world 20 years ago than it is today. But his philosophy was you, you needed to be involved in your work. You needed to know what your your work was and where it was going. So, and in the early years when we were small enough, every Sunday night you had to call Les at his house and talk about what you were planning to do for the next the week. week. Every Sunday. And if you missed the call, he'd be calling you. Right. So. Right. Well, wow, that's uh, that's interesting, and you know, again, I think some of these companies are trying to bring it back home a little bit and bring it in house, and, and less seems like he was doing that back, you know, back then, and now you have these companies that are are moving back towards that with, uh, you know, they have people for people essentially is what they have, and right, that seems like that's what his philosophy was to run it run it as a as a family. He was a huge visionary too. He thought about things that are happening before they really happened. The Holistic Health Center we opened was something that people were laughing at him about. So that's what what I, that's brand new to me. And yeah. I know we're gonna get into some of these acquisitions that I know you were a part of and try to figure out how and what. I'm getting a little bit of it now, a little bit more than we've discussed, at least a little bit more than we've discussed before a bottle of wine that yeah. I can remember, right? So what what was the deal with the Holistic Health Center? Where was it? Where he was believed in, in natural healing and not necessarily taking pills. And he, he, he was totally involved in eating properly, exercise, and good health care. And good health care, in his opinion, was holistic health. My part of the holistic health was only to build a building and put the people <laughs> in there. I don't know. He didn't take part in that? I, I don't know anything about holistic health. <laughs> Uh, as you can see, looking across the table, yeah. I'm not your specimen of. Uh, where of, where was this? Where was this? It was on uh, Mass Ave in Cambridge, North Cambridge, okay. right down the street right from the office. The office right. We built office. it originally as an office, and we leased it to um, an interior design group that then went broke, and so Les started getting in, studying and getting into this holistic medicine thing. So he said, "Let's put the." A holistic man. He found these doctors, and he put them all together and put them in that building, and then it just took off from there. And was it a private group? Was it an open? What was? Yeah, the- it was a private group of of doctors and and uh, nutritionists and you know chiropractors and you know all kinds of medical people. So that one that's new to me. I didn't know about yeah. the holistic health center, and that was that kind of the first venture outside of modern. Other than the construction side, was that his first venture outside of modern? No, we we had uh, a fish company. Okay, <laughs> let's keep going. That's <laughs> early on in the early '80s. We owned a a, a fish company. Um, we I don't know how we got into it, um, <laughs> but I know that uh, Brad Bumpus was in charge of it at the time, and um, and this was acquired from. It was purchased. This was started. He Les met some guy on an airplane that told him that Japan needed all kinds of fish, processed fish. So, right. I don't know how the venture came about, but um, they ended up with a fish company, uh, rented a warehouse in Chelsea, processed all the fish. And, and were they, those modern employees? They were modern employees, yeah, laborers. Do you remember the name of the <laughs> what the name of the company was? Uh, I don't. It wasn't, it, was mo- it wasn't Modern Fish Company? No, it was... Uh, that's fine. That's I don't fine. remember the name of the company. Oh, that's another one. And then we got into shipping lobsters to Japan. 
Okay. And that didn't work out so good. We ended up with a, a boatload of lobsters going over there. Um, that ended up dead. All right. Um, so that didn't work too well. So we got out of the fish business in the early 80s and All then right. started on expanding the real estate group, doing subdivisions. Um, we bought a big property up in North Reading. So it was um, the 80s less started to dip into more real estate yeah okay um we were doing buildings in the back bay um you know the brownstones uh renovating them turning them into condos we did about 19 buildings in the back bay over the years um but the big residential push was uh north reading we bought a large track of land and subdivided it into 200 house lots and started building homes. So single family homes. Single family homes, yep. And that's really the foray into how we expanded the, the real estate group. And at um, this time, you were running the real estate group? Yeah, I was. Um, the we, we were doing subdivisions down the Cape. Um, we built probably five or 600 homes on the Cape over the years, um, vacation homes. Um, and then North Reading came along. We bought that and started that. And then as we expanded the real estate group, um, we started buying some office buildings downtown. Uh, we then went and renovated uh, 470 Atlantic Ave. We bought that building and added a story to it as, as the story goes. So for a timeline sense, I'm always one of these people that says, okay, this was going on in, in the United States at this time and what was going on. I always need to know what's going. So you were in the real estate business at this point, you acquired um, North Reading and then modern on the other side and the heavy highway. We're how, just- how, Well, first of all, how many employees at this time do you think modern had? And were they national at this point? In the point? mid '80s, no, we weren't national at the time. We were, we were, um, we were just starting the first bit of projects for the Big Dick. Okay, Atlantic Ave. So you just a lot of utility transfers that right. they were doing, and um, Ken Anderson, Les's partner, was in charge of that with um, some of the other guys. Um, they really come up with a. A method of of doing the utility relocation, um, and they were very successful in doing it. So that just catapulted us to the next job on the big dig, and then we brought in um, to get to some of the bigger work that we ended up doing down the road. Is we partnered with Obiashi. Okay. Uh, they had huge bonding capacity at the time, so we did several jobs with them. And then when when did Modern really go national? I know they were in twenty some odd states. Not at some until point. not until the I would say the late nineties, early two thousands. Um, and that was taking heavy highway in other parts. Yeah, we w went to California, we went to Utah, we went to Washington D.C., we went to Florida, went some other places that we'll talk Virginia. about as well. Um, <laughs> Okay, so that gives me a little bit, and hopefully the people that are listening gives them a little bit more of an idea of what was going on. Um, I want to drop back a little bit because I've been there, um, and I remember seeing the modern signs there. You mentioned the farm, and at the time it was what Merino Lookout Farm. Merino Lookout Farm, yeah. and it was. An, I mean, I went there with the kids to pick apples, you know, and and I saw the modern sign there. And having worked for modern, I was always intrigued by. All right, this is Merino Farm. What was, you know, I, I know you said it was the farming and how did that acquisition come? How do you acquire a farm? We, it was 1990, I believe, 89 or 90. Um, we went into uh, U.S. Trust Bank for a meeting with the president of their bank and he was foreclosing on these properties. A marina, pro two marina properties, one in Boston, one in Situate, and Lookout Farm. Two separate um, owners. They the the marinas were owned by one group, and the farm was owned by another group. And they asked Les, "Do you have any interest in buying these properties?" And Les looked across the table to me. He said, "Bob, what do you think?" <laughs> <laughs> I don't know anything about marinas, but if you want to buy them, we'll figure it out. 
Um, and we ended up making a deal with the bank to buy those properties. And then it was just continually upgrading and renovating. And, you know, right. we uh, rebuilt the marina commercial wharf. That was commercial. It was, um, what's the name of the marina? Is that? It's uh, Boston, Boston Yacht Haven Boston is what Yacht we Haven. called it. Yes. Yeah. Right. I think now it, it's something else. Right. Right. And that's one of those forever, not directly, it was existing uh, forever Boston lawsuits regarding access to the waterfront. Right. And uh, that can be another episode. But so now you have a marina. You renovated the marina. Two marinas, one in Situate and one in Boston. And Bruce Raposa, God rest his soul, he's passed on now. Bruce ran the marinas for us. And um, and we had, you know, after the renovation of Boston, it, it was the premier marina in, right. in, in the city. We we um, were the only ones at that time to handle boats over 250 feet in length. Right. Uh, and I don't know if that's the proper word, boat, or it's a ship, or whatever it yeah, is. Yeah, you can but, call it a boat. That's fine. Uh, beautiful. Um, we had some um, celebrities that brought their boats there. Um, we had local high-profile business people that brought their big yachts there. Um, and this is a modern... This modern, modern owned, modern operated um, property. Yes. All right. So we're managing marinas now. We got big dig going. We have uh, a, a farm and a farm. People are picking apples. We have this holistic health center uh, that's being built. And you have a boat and bus company. Okay, that's back up. So that's going to be Boston Harbor Cruises. Boston Harbor Cruises. And uh, you that was previously owned, and then it was acquired. Correct. That's correct. And so the, how did, the previous owners stayed on it to operate it. So here's my understanding, because we've never talked about the acquisition of Boston Harbor Cruises. But as you on the big dig and you talk about the big dig, um, you know, shuttling workers back and forth to Deer, Deer Island, Island. That's how we got involved. And how did the acquisition come about? We were going to we were bidding the Deer Island work and we needed to get people back and forth. So we talked with the people at Boston Harbor Cruises, and I wasn't involved in the in that negotiation, but it they were just the, the nicest people to deal with. Les really appreciated how you know honest and holistic they were, and created a joint venture with them. And Boston Harbor Cruises became a part of the modern family, and they shuttled people to Deer Island, which is the main purpose. And then we expanded the 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 boat business that was already existing that the family um, operated for years and years and years. I mean, uh, sightseeing and whale watching and, you know, the Godzilla the boats and the tugboats and, you know, all the other stuff that go along with the Boston waterfront. So now is there a marine division too? There is kind of a marine division, but Boston Yacht, ha Boston Yacht Haven and Situate were a marina group that, fell under my purview with Bruce being the day-to-day -day guy there. Right. Um, Boston Harbor Cruises was part of the construction company, but operated by um, the Nolan family, who were the original owners. Um, and we were their joint venture partners. Nolan's, yeah, yep. original Charlestown family, yep. Yeah. Okay, so that 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 goes over Boston Harbor Cruises. Now we got a farm, and we got a bus company. Got a bus company, Paul Revere Bus. Oh, so it's Paul Revere Bus. Okay, yes. and is that still owned? That's by still owned um, by the people who are our partners. Again, it was a joint venture to right transport people. Right. We got the farm. We got the bus company. We have fish. We have holistic health. We're uh, we're branching out here. Um, and was that what? Was this less as, was it just convenience? I know the, the, the Boston Harbor Cruises was convenience, but what was like his thought process here? Was, get, was it give people jobs and, you know, it benefits us? Was it, what was the philosophy behind all these different acquisitions? There was always some kind of tie to the main construction company. We needed land to put equipment and materials. We needed food to feed the restaurants that we had. We needed uh, the, the marine business to transport people to Deer Island and the, the harbor work that was going on at the time. 
it just it, it's all related if you look at the web it's, it all yeah. feeds off no pun intended feeds off uh, you said restaurants yep we didn't North get to Cambridge. restaurants yet. What, what were the restaurants? Marino's uh, Restaurante Marino is the official name of it. We built a, we bought a bar room and a liquor license in North Cambridge, and um, in the eighties, and it sat vacant for a couple of years till so we could get it permitted. Les wanted to have a restaurant that the farm would supply the meat and produce for. Um. And so that was the evolution of Marino's restaurant. Um, in 1989, we opened the restaurant. Um, and the restaurant operated until Les died and the family sold off the restaurant. Became a daycare center, I believe, at the end. Um, okay. But uh, that was, you know, again, celebrities from everywhere would come there. Right. The food was unbelievable. He had his Les had his his wife, his sister, his brother, and a lot of family members from Italy that that would cook authentic Italian food. Right, right. And it was a big attraction. Dan Marino came and took his picture in front of Marino's restaurant. Yeah, yeah. When he played against the Patriots. Right, right. <laughs> so funny. So that leads me not to the last because I'm going to ask you again. We'll go over, but. One of my favorites here is, um, you know, St. Lucia is kind of a place that I, I love to go to St. Lucia. Uh, not anymore, but it was less built up than the other Caribbean islands. And it was just a, a fantastic place to kind of get away. Now, Sandals has bought up just about everything on the island and it's right. been commercialized and all kinds of other things going on. But I remember I'm working for Modern. Here we go again. Parallel uh, universes here. I'm working for Modern. And my first wedding anniversary, and for those of you that know me, no jokes at this point. Um, <laughs> and I scheduled a trip, uh, planned a trip to go down to St. Lucia. So I had already been there once. This is my second go round, and we land. We get in the taxi to go to the airport, and I was off a week from Modern. The big dig was going on, and I took the week off. We go down to St. Lucia. We're in the cab, and we're driving to the hotel from the airport. And as we come to this bend in the road and have to slow down, I look over and there's a modern continental sign on the side of the road with a half, you know, half demolished building right beside it. And I'm saying, you, you've, got, you've got to be kidding me. I'm just leaving <laughs> Boston literally the day before I was on the big dig with modern continental. And now I'm in this Caribbean island and uh, you know, I see a modern continental sign. So again, we fast forward years later. I never figured out what it was. I mentioned to the people that were on the job with me, but they're all out of the hall and they really didn't right. know, um, you know what the situation was. Nobody that I worked with really worked for the company. They were all um, labor out of the hall, out of yeah. the union hall. So fast forward, we uh, at the Terriers and I tell the story and you said, oh yeah, oh yeah, that was our modern project. And that has its own story. <laughs> That goes with it. So, what is Modern Continental doing on the island of Saint Lucia? It again. It was uh, there was an engineer on the Big Dig who visited Saint Lucia all the time. Fell in love with the island. Ran into someone local that said, "There's a piece of property right on the ocean that's going to come up for sale," and they brought it to Les. And you know, Les was a very adventurous guy. He loved to do new things. As we're finding um, out more and more. He yeah. um, he probably had ADD, who knows at the time, but, you know, he always loved to go on to the next venture and find the next new thing. And so we went down and looked at the property. He ended up buying it. And then it took us about seven years to get approvals for almost 500 hotel rooms. And there was going to be a water park and there was going to be, you know, mid-rise hotel and individual villas with private pools and um we built the first phase which was 46 units no 66 units so and back up is this before the equipment issue this was no we sent equipment down there okay to dig for the foundations all right so you had equipment on the island yeah we had equipment on the island that's probably what you saw along with us the modern sign that we put up at the entrance 
because the land was off of the main drag a little bit. So we put a sign out by the main drag right. so that people would know that we're back there. And we had uh, we started to develop that hillside. It's directly across from Sandals. So if you're if anybody going to Sandals in St. Lucia, the Sandals Grand, if you look across, you'll see a bunch of little buildings on a hillside. That was the first phase of St. Lucia. Right. And then was it the next phase where you went to start and the equipment customs? We couldn't get, we, we always had problems getting through customs with, you know, equipment and materials. And But Kenny, Les's partner, was a whiz that he really uh, got us what we needed. We'd call him up, Kenny, we need a bulldozer. We need a, another backhoe. We need parts. Yep. You know, and he would get it there. Right. And he'd send a mechanic down, put it all together, and then fly the guy back home. Right. We opened the hotel in, I think, uh, 2000 to yeah 1999 2000 it finally opened the first phase right and ran it uh until Les died and then when he died then everything got liquidated so st lucia got sold to a british hotel company mm-hmm. and then 2007 came and wiped out the whole world it right. was you know the biggest economic downturn in our our lifetime right and so it sits vacant I was in St. Lucia three years ago, and it was still sitting vacant. Wow. So mm. all the hard work that went into it is sitting there vacant. So we got holistic health centers. We got Marino Lookout Farm. We got cruises. We have fish companies. We have an island oasis hotel in, in St. Lucia. Anything else that we're, we're not covering that was started, purchased, um, business? No. Uh, I mean, Kenny and Les... Um, had the largest equipment fleet east of the Mississippi for a number of years. We had more equipment than just about anybody in the country. Right. Um, they ran that out of our Stoughton yard, and uh, it was a huge equipment facility. And Aldo Morelli was was the uh, head mechanic there. He ran the shop, and for years until he died, and then some other guys took over. But they had a ton of equipment. So right. they, there was anything you wanted to know about equipment, you call Kenny and he'll tell you. Right, right. And so, you know, at, at some point, I think, you know, if you look at the statistics and you look at the stories, Modern was, you know, grew from Les's kitchen, essentially, to almost 4,200 employees. And, you know, as and you could probably verify, 20 different states, Modern was running, running projects and um, and you talk about Dan Marino coming to the restaurant and all these people. You're at the the bank with the the um, you know the head of the bank. We talked about Les, you know, passed away and the size of the funeral uh, when Les passed away, um, which I think is a testament to what he did for people. That's right. Over the years, people waited hours in line. Right. Hours. Right. And at that point. So we'll kind of segue here into, um, you know, 4,200 people, 20 states. And then obviously the issues with the with the big dig started, um, you know, the media started picking up on it. And there were some lawsuits and whatnot, you know, leading up when, I think, when were you out of Modern Continental? You were out of the- I left in 2005, a year after Les died. Okay. And was there a, did people know that we're working for the company that it was kind of coming to- yeah, I mean, close. at that point, the bonding company had come in and took over control of it, and everything was being liquidated. I had spent the the, the year that, from Les's death to the year I left, we had liquidated, you know, most of the real estate. I think there were over three hundred million dollars worth of real estate we liquidated. Right. Um, the um, properties were being sold off, and the money was all being put back into the construction company to to finish up those projects that were started. And how was Les, you know, I know you, you had a personal relationship with him, obviously. How was he, uh, how was he dealing with the, I don't want to say downfall, I don't know if that's, but it, there was a, a decline at the end, obviously, yeah. of the business. What he, was his- um, he was a very strong individual. He kept telling us, we're going to get through this. We may have to start 
over, but we're going to get through it. Right. He was very positive all the time. That was just his nature. He never was a downer. He always said, we can do it. You say, ah, I don't know if we can. Yeah, we can do it. We'll figure out a way. We'll figure out a way to get it done. Right, right. So, and we always did. We right. always seemed to find a way. And then Les passed on, and you know that was kind of the end end of the company, would you say? is, is there Yeah, still because a- there was no succession plan ever put in place. Right. He has family, correct? Yeah, he has, he has two daughters. And were they involved in the company? They, um, one of them was um, the head of our marketing group. She okay. did all our PR and marketing. Um, the oldest daughter was not. Um, she was a stay-at-home mom. Um, and so the the girls um, were involved, but not directly in the construction company. Right. They marketed uh, Lorraine, who's his youngest daughter, marketed the entire company. I mean, all our companies, so whatever, whether it's the boats or the buses, all of that publicity came out of that department. Right. Does anything exist of modern now? Is there any? No, there's nothing um, Nothing that I'm aware of. Right. Um, randomly, you'll see on Instagram, somebody will post a picture of a modern pickup truck with right. the because logo they, on it. They have to be still out uh, there for marketing. Or a dump truck. Else. Right. Uh, but no, there's not much um, of, I, there's nothing in the business aspect of it, right. but there's like, trinkets of equipment or you know trucks and yeah so what did you take from i mean all this time with less and it's it's incredible to see how diverse you know less's business was and as we started off i was talking about and never put two and two together pretty much until we were just sitting here today but how diverse less was less's business is and and you know I don't think you're as diverse as Les, but you no. you have the commercial. You have. You, I don't have the ambition he had. No, but you have the commercial. Um, you know, you have the the small mall, and, and yep. you hold on to that and, and collect rent. Then you'll build a commercial property on contract, uh, renovate a commercial property on contract. You have residential property that you maintain, but you'll also build residential, uh, the high end, you know, single family. And I've even been on projects where you've renovated. And I think that's similar, you know, keep the guys going, keep the flash go, uh, cash flow going for the company. I've been on projects uh, that you've renovated, small renovations, bathrooms, kitchens, and, and, and units and whatnot. So what did you take, you know, what, what would you take away from Les, from working with him? Did you learn from him? Did you learn that from Absolutely. him? Absolutely. There's no question. That, that was, you couldn't get the education we got at Modern in a school. Right. You just couldn't. Uh, Les was so innovative. And Kenny was so knowledgeable about his part of the business, listening to those two guys constantly talk about what we're going to do next. It was just always forward thinking. And when I started my own company, I said, if I'm going to attract good people to work with me, I need to give them the benefits and things that I had. Obviously, not to the extent that Modern had, because Modern was a giant company. Um, We're eight employees not counting myself and my wife. Right. Um, and, but our company has health insurance, dental insurance, uh, disability insurance. We have uh, 401k matches. We uh, supply trucks to our supers. You know, everybody has a gas card to put gas in the trucks. All the benefits that Les gave us, I carried over into my own company. So it's just a transition. I'm a much, much smaller company than than we ever were at Modern, but the the learning experience you learned about dealing with people and how to handle people and the sensitivity of people's feelings. And our group alone, when Modern was in its heyday, I probably had a hundred over a hundred people that reported to me. And I'll bet you I spent fifty percent of my time on People problems. people problems. Yeah. But I learned that was a great learning experience for me in my own company because it's very, uh, without people's sensitivity, they don't feel comfortable. Right. So I'll put you on the spot here a little bit. We won't go into some of the things we talked about that, uh, about modern and whatnot, but we'll go back. What, uh, you know, I mean, you've, you've been in the construction industry for how many years now? 44 years. 44 years in the construction industry. And, 
what do you where, where are you going what's what's next for Shepherd construction obviously if you any of you who are out there listening or or, or see some clips here um you have an Instagram page. The office keeps up the... I don't even know if you know you have an Instagram page. I don't. You do. <laughs> you My do. daughter runs the uh, so marketing in the There's office. an Instagram. There's a website. You can see some of the projects. Bob has done well-known builder on the South Shore, very large homes. I drive around Cohasset and Situate sometimes just to collect my thoughts. And I see houses that you've constructed down there. Um, we actually crossed paths. I was originally an inspector in Hingham, and that's kind of where we... Uh, we originally crossed paths, um, you know. So you have the residential going, you have the commercial going. What's next? How long? How long are you going to keep this going for? Um, I don't know. I'm getting up there in age. I don't know how long I can do it. Um, we have, like I said, two different companies. I have a, a, a commercial. My commercial real estate is in Shepherd Investments, which we own and manage, which will go on forever. Hopefully, my kids will take it over. Um, the construction company is a little different. It's a hard business. And, you know, you need someone who really loves the business and wants to be involved in the business day to day. And that's that's where we're at right now is trying to backfill a succession plan for me. Right. Because I don't want to be, I don't want to drop dead and my company fold up because nobody else can do it. There's plenty of people. As you know, they change the president of the United States every four years, most powerful man in the world. So our positions are not, you know, um, in a bubble. Right. People right. could do what I do if they wanted to, but you yeah. have to love the business. Right. And we, we're working on setting up a succession plan for, so that it can go on if it wants to go on. Right. So what's, what's, uh, what is currently, going on you know what do you have uh that you're wrapping up or what are you doing now with shepherd construction that's active um we're doing a, a very large project in norwell mass we're doing uh residential residential and commercial mix it's a pool house a pool and a very large home and then a, a local developer slash business owner yes okay. um honey extraction building that they're going to um actually make their own honey on site. Which I did a code review for, I remember that one, yes. Yep. Yeah. So um, that's um, that's going on. We just finished um, a very large home on the water in Cohasset, a lot that I purchased um, a couple of years ago, tore down a little house, built a bigger house. Um, same thing in Hingham, we closed on a property last week in Hingham uh, where I bought a smaller house. There are no vacant land all tear downs. And yeah, it's yeah. all tear downs. So um, we're trying to improve whatever we do. We try to improve the neighborhood, right. make what we're doing fit. Um, and so far, it's been very successful doing that procedure. So we'll continue to do that. Um, we're always looking to purchase, you know, and hold real estate. We're always looking at, you know, nothing major. I'm not looking for a half a million square foot office building or anything like that. We we buy, you know, small strip centers, small office buildings. We have an office building in Hingham. It's completely full. Um, that's where you are. That's where our office is. You uh, have the small mall that's uh, We have in the Hingham. strip mall in Hingham. Yeah. Um, I own an assisted living uh, project in Michigan. Um, my niece runs. Um, I own some apartments and houses in Michigan. It's my older brother runs for me out there. And that's that's what we keeps us busy. So if you had a young buck or a young doe woman or coming into the business and wanted to get into development, we've had this discussion when I dabbled a little bit saying, okay, I've been helping people develop property, you know, for years. And I came to you and I said, okay, what would you what would I have to do? What do I need to do to get, if you had advice, maybe it's not developed. Maybe it's don't get into development. <laughs> maybe it's don't get into construction, but you know, we just talked about bringing people along and training them, but what, what advice would you give somebody that's looking to get into development or property or what's the, what's the single biggest thing that you'd, you'd tell somebody? You got to have patience because real estate is a long-term hold if you're going to hold it. 
and it's a long-term development process to get something approved today. So without patience and without um, some money behind you, you're not going to be able to sustain what you're doing. Right. You you know the business. I mean, most most of the um, carpenters that want to become developers never make it because it takes more than knowing how to pound Build. a nail. Right. Um, there's a business aspect to it. People say to me all the time, oh, you're a builder. I'm a businessman who's in the building business. Right. Is the way I always put it because I need to manage the business side of it. I don't ever swing a hammer. You don't want me to swing a hammer. <laughs> yeah, right. um, but there's a there's a business side that needs to be paid attention to if you're going to have and operate a company. All right. What uh, Anything else you, you think you can add? Anything you want to get out there? No. I just I, I wish the general public knew more about Modern Continental's background and, and what Lesson Ken did for communities and people other than what they read in the newspapers. Right, and that's kind of why, you know, not the main reason why. We've had these conversations off and on over the years. And again, hearing the other perspective, we all know that bad news sells, terrible right. news sells. That's right. Uh, you know, shock, shock uh, and awe sells. So, you know, I think it was interesting to bring you in and, and hearing the stories from you. And it's not just this conversation, we centered a lot on Les Marino, but it's also about business development, what people are doing today. And I pointed out earlier that Les was not formally, but he was doing these things in his own, out of his kitchen maybe and right. on the phone on Sunday nights. But Les was a people person back then. Oh, yeah. And now again, um, at the sake of being repetitive, you have these companies that in they now have offices in the company dedicated to what, again, Les was doing out of his kitchen. And, you know, my vision is I see, you know, you as a reflection of that, uh, both in your business and in the way that you approach uh, approach the business and approach your employees. I've met your employees over the years and continuing education. And we have continuing ed over subs and, and, and drinks and yep. in the conference room. And that, uh, you know, that's always a, a great experience. So, well, Bob, thanks for thanks for coming. It was a good conversation. And um, next time, maybe we'll, we'll down a couple bottles of Cabernet and try it again <laughs> and see how that one comes out. But uh, Sounds good to me. But thanks. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.